welcome back to That's Kinda Wavy. We're your hosts. I'm Jill. I'm Nikki. And I'm Shaysel. Well, um, how are you guys doing? What's up? Meh. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh yeah. uh Shaysel and I had COVID last week. Eh. So Me too. But oh, I, I forgot you tested positive sick. too. <laughs> Yeah, Michelle so, was the only one that did it. <laughs> yeah. And spoiler alert, we got it from each other. <laughs> Oopsies. Our new uh, shared trauma experience. Yeah. No, for real. Next on the list. And it's interesting. It all <laughs> literally it hit us all differently. I'm still convinced that I had like the clue or whatever people want to fucking call it, where you have the clue. The clue. Oh, the flu. Oh, the the Rona. Yeah, the flu Ronski. <laughs> Um, like clue like the clue to what i, know, I was like oh the clue to solve it um but because i was i was sicker than i've been in a long time and she saw a few weeks ago was sicker with the flu than she's been in a long time so i feel like i had that and i tested positive because i have i've had three shots now like and so it shouldn't have hit me as hard as it did so i think i had a little mix in and then now i'm still fatigued from it so that's fun how do you feel now, Jill? I haven't really heard. Like, you haven't talked about how you're feeling. I don't know how it hit you. Well, that's because it didn't really hit me. So Good. I've pretty much felt normal. Like, it wasn't even as bad as a cold. Literally, it was just like I felt the scratchy throat one day. Then I tested positive that day. And, like, I basically just had, like, a stuffyish nose on and off, not even, like, consistently also. So, yeah. My, mine was somewhere in between i would still i would say it was like closer to your experience still because it wasn't that intense at all i did like the day that i tested positive i had a raspy throat and like was a little congested but i'm always congested so i didn't think anything of it until yeah, the positive right. result yeah and then the next day i did i did feel like kind of like shit but it, it's just like your classic i am sick and i feel like shit and then i had a mild phlegmy cough for like the next couple of days but yeah when i i got the regular flu in the beginning of december which i mean it's not confirmed that it was a regular flu but it definitely wasn't covid because i took like three rapid tests and a pcr um but that I, that was the sickest that I had been in a long time so yeah. I'm, I'm sure that you have some combination of the two nikki and i'm sorry because that sucks starting the year off with a bang <laughs> literally <laughs> so yeah i literally i was so fucking miserable but i was saying to chris i'm like well the year can only go up for me here true Fun true you know life life always finds a way to prove me wrong with that type of shit yeah for oh, real oh god see life loves to kick me while i'm down so well, i mean at least you checked corona off the list early True. <laughs> True. You have some temporary immunity, so that's that's what I'm happy about. I have some temporary immunity. It doesn't change like me being responsible about this and everything. But like I, Lynn and I were talking about this. It's like if we hadn't gotten it yet, we'd be so anxious about doing anything at all. But it's like, well, we got it, so we can at least be kind of chill. Yeah. yeah, for like a monthish, and then right, right again. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, so that happened while we were all together over New Year's, so we won't even talk Just about what stuff. happened. Yeah, we, <laughs> we won't even talk about what happened. It's it's literally low-key. I mean, Tyler Hewell may be not dramatic, but to us, like, low-key traumatic, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's <sighs> funny because the last episode, we literally were like, we're going to be yeah. here soon, which we still were, so, like, that still worked out fine. It's just, like, all of it ended up feeling like a fever dream. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty it was much. fake. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> on the topic of trauma, uh, on that note, um, <laughs> with these low spirits, <laughs> let's keep them low. Yeah, yeah well, literally. well, let's discuss something that makes us like happy ish in a macabre way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, we're gonna discuss horror as a genre and like why it's so appealing to people. Why, I guess. It was like literally the top genre of like 2020. Oh, which really? Makes sense. Yeah, the article I read was talking about that. I I wonder how it compares to other years. Did it mention or did it only say 2020? Because I wonder if it is associated with COVID or if that's typically the case. I they probably linked what study they were talking about, but they did like relate it later in the article like to COVID. Interesting. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. 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 Well, that's one thing. Um, I didn't see this in what I was reading, but that doesn't mean it's not wrong. But my theory, one of my theories with Ben of like, why do people like it is like, literally, it's like, well, at least I'm not that guy. Like, my life sucks. <laughs> at least I'm not in the middle of a zombie apocalypse and, you know, and like that level of like escapism. And then at the end, you're like, oh my life's not that bad i'm safe at home right now watching a movie like so right. that would make it doesn't surprise me that a lot of people have been like yeah i kind of fuck with horror right now yeah i mean a lot of what i read was saying that like people a lot of people that watch horror are like more anxious like this one this article that i read was linking this study that said oh my god the study was like literally using facebook though so facebook Ugh. data so I don't know if it's if you can consider that like highly accurate or the opposite. Um, but they found that fans of horror movies were more likely to be high in eroticism. Um, yep. And like that specifically, makes so much sense. yeah, specifically high anxiety. I can see that. Yeah, that's another thing I think Shaysel and I have talked about. Where like, um, Chris, my boyfriend, doesn't like horror. Like he he can depending on the story like he can get through it but he doesn't like enjoy it like the way I do I love horror and he's like why would you want to feel that way like feel scared I'm like I feel anxious literally every day of my life at least this is a more like controlled situation and I can point and be like this is why I'm anxious or like this is why I'm feeling scared instead of like I'm just anxious because I'm anxious Right, yeah. like for once you have agency in the anxiety that plagues your life every single day. Exactly. So, like yeah. I can just turn the movie off if I really want to and that will yeah. get rid of that like trigger. So And yeah. it even makes me think of like that uh, specific theory makes me think of with um, fear exposure therapy, which is typically used for either like phobias or even um, trauma responses and stuff in therapy when you might like they have a certain way of doing it that I don't I'm not aware of yet, uh, but you're like exposed to the thing that you fear or are traumatized by, but you're in a controlled safe setting. So you learn to associate that with safety. And that's Mm -hmm. like kind of how I see horror too. That's actually one thing in um, what I read. Um, There's like, there was research for like why, when we're able to enjoy horror. Um, Cause like, obviously like if there's like actual horror in front of it, you, you don't, 
enjoy it. So like what's the conditions yeah. that make that kind of thing enjoyable? Um, and you need like a protective frame. So one of it is like you need to believe that you're physically safe. Um, and like there's some form sense. of detachment. And I feel like that's kind of what you're saying. Like the, it's in a controlled environment. Yeah, um, that makes sense. The third one, because there's three, so as long as I'm saying it, there's this, like, physically safe, some form of detachment, and then um, confidence in controlling and managing the dangers we encounter, which is interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the article that I read basically said, like, exactly what you said about control. Like, literally, it's just, like, you're able to, like, feel anxious about something that's fictional and like obviously less consequential than something that's happening in your real life so it's easy to regulate like how scary that experience can be because like you said you can just turn it off if you really like actually feel stressed out about it so yeah like if it gets yeah. past the like enjoyable realm right well one thing i didn't know but like makes sense is that it like it causes like negative and positive stimulation at the same time which is like interesting. interesting like you get the like adrenaline from like fear but then it's like the like surging energy and stuff like that i don't know i just thought it was interesting that it like they've noticed it like actively is like a negative and positive stimulant at the same did time. it use the words um when describing that suspense and resolution because that's kind of what i one of the um theories that i read about um i'm just like re-skimming that to see uh no it just says biochemical inside our bodies changes when we consume horror for i can trigger the release of adrenaline resulting in heightened sensations and surging energy okay so but they do at the end of the article they talked about the post-horror relaxation which is like you feel highly stimulated and then a sense of relief after the conclusion like triggers endorphins in our brain which could be kind of what you're talking about is the resolution part of it yeah I don't know if this is like um actually activated and I would need to look into it to know but I can see it being like which my the, what I read about kind of goes into this is one of the theories as well in terms of sensation seeking and the two components of suspense and resolution and a lot of horror movies um they talked about how or I'm thinking of maybe like it's your sympathetic nervous system is activated and then that that sense of relaxation afterwards is kind of your parasympathetic nervous system kicking in, which for those who don't know, your sympathetic nervous system is like what kicks in when it's fight or flight mode. And then your parasympathetic nervous system is supposed to, it's like relaxed, a more relaxed state. And that's when you're, you know, your bodily functions like digestion and whatever resume because you're not supposed to be in a stress situation. And I, I can see that being related to what you said, Nikki. Yeah, definitely. I guess the last thing I'll share about my article that I found like super interesting what and I think I found it interesting because I've thought about like why do I like horror and my answer is usually like I find the stories interesting like even if they're fucked up it's like okay a rom-com I know what's gonna happen you know like I just feel like stereotypical like plot lines or like even just like action or something I'm like I know what's gonna happen like you know and so and that's less for like horror and that's one thing they said was um Another reason we seek horror is to gain novel experiences. They allow us to live out alternate reality, alternate realities. And then like um, some novel experiences can even contribute to our sense of accomplishment, which that's more of like 
going to a haunted house or something you're like oh I was like daring and adventurous but it was like a very controlled setting um and I realized that that's definitely why I enjoy it is like the novel experience and like something new and something different even if it ends up like I don't even like the plot line it's still like it's usually when I don't like a horror movie it's because I'm like oh I've seen this plot line a billion times before so yeah yeah it's interesting that you said the thing about it kind of being like experiencing different realities because one of the factors that I'll go more into when I explain what I read was, well, it was talking about the empathy aspect of it. And one of the factors of empathy in this model of empathy is like having a wandering. I know I said empathy like five times, but it's yeah. Anyways, um, it had to do with like people with higher empathy in this model tend to have higher levels of like a wandering imagination and daydreaming and also connecting with fictional characters so i can see like the that desire for wanting to experience different realities being higher in people like us who are more empathetic that's interesting yeah well actually it's funny you say empathy because that's one thing my thing mentioned was individual differences in empathy are associated those who are not so empathetic can enjoy horror more this is because those with higher level of empathy tend to feel more negatively about the distress situations others experience, like people being torme- tormented by a devious murderer in the film, which I thought was really interesting because um, like, I consider myself very empathetic, but I think it's like kind of what they were saying of like the safe space and like detaching in that time I can like detach a lot better from it right. so then I'm like I don't this is fake I don't need to feel like empathetic you know like whereas like I don't like watching like live footage from you know when there's like body cam footage or something like right. that I like can't watch yeah. that because I can't like detach it from reality right yeah I feel like that's I don't know I feel like that's a very like straightforward like thing for that article to have said and I'm almost like i like, I obviously get it because that makes sense. But at the same time, like, is that really tr- that true? Right. I, don't, they- like, like I, I understand that what it's trying to say kind of, but like based on that and how earlier it said, I know I know that it's it's supposed to be like a more summarized and like simplified article. But like the thing about it releases a chemical, which also Nikki, this is not on you at all. I'm just I, I see what you're saying, Jill, because like the thing about the releasing chemical and then also this this part about that's such a simplified argument. The thing about like people who have higher empathy tend to not like it because of the experience of distress. Like, yes, that's true, but there are so many more facets behind it, which again, I'm not disagreeing with you, Nikki, but yeah. Yeah. They like link to an article that says enjoyment of mediated fright and violence and meta analysis that like they used like self-report measures of enjoyment and um, what type of content they consumed. And so I also think that that's like, something to consider of like there was a lot of self-reporting in it and so yeah. some people could be like yeah. oh I'm really empathetic so I don't like it instead of like <laughs> I don't know being like take yeah. no, a- how empathetic are you take a test now watch a horror movie do you like it or something right that's right. so true also widely it would vary based on what horror movie you like just watched yeah yeah true. yeah that's mine went into that I but do that's a good- um, they do sorry last thing I'll say about that article or this thing that they cited they did say suggestions are proposed for future research that will move toward integration of separate lines of inquiry in a unified approach because well, they said go. like there's so many moving factors in it 
Yeah. I just wanted to mention quickly, I know you said something about like how watching horror can feel like a novel experience kind of and like that's one of the reasons why you really like it and the article that I was reading mentioned kind of that like through watching horror and like engaging with this type of fictional world people can practice emotional and behavioral strategies that might like become useful in in real life situations and so oh that's cool yeah that's how they were kind of relating horror to covid um and like why 2020 was like such a huge year for horror because people felt like they like were literally more psychologically resilient to what was happening or like everything surrounding covid and like trump and like all the shit that was going down then because of their love for horror and like people were saying you know people who are like more into like apocalyptic movies are like yeah i'm like more prepared for if there's like a really more intense wave of covid yeah so yeah i'm like it definitely makes sense and i i agree I'd be interested in seeing a breakdown of what type of horror it was that most people watch because if it if it was uh specifically like higher higher like um numbers in apocalyptic type of horror movies or even like pandemic type of things that yeah. that'd be interesting because that'd be such a direct link to the zeitgeist of the time. Right. Yeah. I know I remember Netflix like advertising like contagion oh yeah and, like, like literally fuck? all those <laughs> movies. Well, remember the kj apple or opera or whatever oh, my god no, fucking movie Song, songbird or something songbird. Songbird. did we ever talk about that i feel like we did on this I podcast we did yeah we did it was <laughs> one of our first bad movies a little throwback <laughs> to like that covid hit and then i swear six months later that fucking movie came out and it was like <laughs> like having the quarantine and shit like that they were like hell yeah this is some good shit that's why it sucked because they banged it out so fast yeah and kj Alpha even- just like sucks what's even weirder is like you're right they definitely made that right away because it i think originally it said that it had been released in 2020 but it didn't actually release until 2021 which means that they got on that shit even earlier and i very 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 highly doubt that it was before the pandemic so, yeah oh yeah yeah that was yeah, what kj appa was doing when riverdale had to take a break <laughs> <laughs> he's like i'll just hop on over to the studio and stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, Chasel, did you do any like specific research about the link between horror and women liking it more? Actually, that a little bit, and I didn't fully get into the section on gender because I was so busy reading everything else with different facets of this phenomenon. And I haven't found like actually, okay, let me let me talk about the gender part. What made me think of like, well, actually, I've thought about the psychology of horror a lot in my life. Like Nikki said, we've talked about it and stuff. But recently, I thought about it again because Lynn and I talked about how we know so many men that don't like horror. And we and we both know so many women that love horror, and, including us. And it made me think, like, why is that? And a theory that her and I thought of, which, again, this is a very simplified theory because there is no one theory to explain this. There are so many different factors. But I, I thought uh, along the line of thinking of being exposed to the fear in a safe space it made me think how it's the one time that women can experience something like that and for once it's fictional like i've said it's not like people are out here experiencing hereditary necessarily but it's like for once it's not us out on the street being terrified 
of someone of some man coming to kill us it's like we are finally in control and choosing to watch this and choosing to be exposed to that fear and we are safe for once what's interesting though is outside of our friend group i don't know any women that will watch it or but and my friend kira like my mom hates i grew up having to watch horror with my dad because like or when i was a kid you know you'd watch it like girls on boys but like i don't have female friends that like it and i think it is very much like the things that we're interested that in that make us friends make us like horror like liking conspiracy theories and stuff like that but like in general in my article again it was a very simplified version but it said more men than women like horror but of the women of the type of horror people like women like between men and women that like horror women like horror that have like a more like resolved conclusion at the end of like oh the killer died and men like horror that like is filled with like a ton of like intense scares and stuff which i was like not surprised because i was like um that's cheap horror so of course men I, like I that have a lot. <laughs> literally i have a, so many of my notes are related to that just like how of of fucking course the stupider version of horror is the one that men love yeah just like anything else that i do in my life researching this has made me hate men even more every fucking time i learn something new i hate men even more including this i have much yeah. to say about that but yeah so i there's there's much to analyze about the gender thing but yeah it's interesting you say that though nookie because the this article that i read this person said that like w- their friends are uh, were a lot of women also because they were a woman a woman and so they were saying that like a, a lot of their friends like horror but also like their friends that aren't women that are into horror are also queer and like a lot of the women that are into horror are also queer so it's like usually and- queer and we're all queer so that would make sense why i'm like my friend like this friend group we all really like horror so interesting i would love to like i feel like that's probably a more like that probably hasn't been studied i feel like that's like a newer thing to be studied because like queer culture is like a newer concept it makes sense because there there was one person in this article that was talking about all this and they're trans and they were just talking about how like being trans in itself is like a traumatic experience daily like you are literally targeted because of your body like horror is so often always about what happens to your body like they're so acutely aware of like what we have to do to make our bodies their own basically and like horror is just existing in a world where you feel like you constantly have to be on guard and that's like literally women and like queer people's daily experiences so I'm I'm very interested in that the the queer aspect of it and Nikki like you said it is true like when I growing up I don't think I really knew anyone except for like Casey that liked horror everyone else I knew like would not want to watch it and I would have to like beg them <laughs> and they would hate me for it um and then obviously with you guys like you guys love horror too and I'm thinking every other woman I've met since then has also liked horror but it makes sense the women i've talked to based on the algorithm and just other things too would like horror because i love horror so much yeah so it is interesting but it's weird because like again and again and again so many men that i've met in my life platonically romantically whatever don't like horror which is and i'm always like are you fucking kidding me like i think every man that i've dated hasn't liked like in a relationship hasn't liked horror really yeah chris my my exes liked horror they i think i liked horror more like i would suggest it but they would watch but chris is like 
no. <laughs> I'm like that's, fucking that's watch it. But mine, that's how my exes sorry. would be too. Yeah, but with him too, I feel like he's watched more creepy things since he's like this is <laughs> so bad. But like since he's like dealt with more mental health issues, like he's been into horror more, and I feel like that goes nice. back to the like you're already feeling it, so you might as well like feel it in a more controlled setting, you know? Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Wow. I feel like that's really interesting that a lot of men that you guys personally know, like, aren't super into horror because, I mean, I feel like I get that they will just, like, watch it so that, you know, they're like, oh, let's a date to, like, let's watch a horror movie so you can, like, snuggle up, basically. But I'm like, that's so interesting to me that they don't, like, actually enjoy it. So some of my guy friends do like horror. I don't have many guy friends, but I'm thinking of like the ones that I do, probably like 75% of them like horror. It's more of just like the guys I'm dating. Oh, but. I see. I don't know. I feel like a lot of the people that I know are more into like the artsy type horror, like Midsummer and yeah. Hereditary and like the, the fucking A24 films. Not that A24. that's bad because those are like definitely good movies but i feel like they like them more for like the film aspect instead of like the actual horror genre yeah and i mean yeah like i mean i guess hereditary is definitely horror but like just like the mind-bending thrill like type shit yeah thriller mentally challenging kind of thing (laughs) yeah (laughs) but it's challenging you mentally (laughs) yes that (laughs) so like yeah the film the film artsy type of horror movies are definitely more like i don't know i'm like that's not even like a a male like characteristic really right it's just like in general cool the cool guys (laughs) yes yes the only men that are somewhat worthy yeah (laughs) and even i mean not all of them because obviously a lot of fucking dickheads and watch those movies too but you know the yeah. ones that we associate with at least right 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 <laughs> well okay so i wanted to bring up related to my like first point kind of about anxiety and what like a lot of people who are a little neurotic like horror <laughs> um <laughs> so this article that i read was basically explaining that like women are twice as likely to be diagnosed with anxiety as men so that could yeah. that in itself is like one of the reasons why statistically women like horror more than men and lgbtq people especially young people without adequate support are even more likely to have anxiety so yeah put those together <laughs> and you love and- horror <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much um they mentioned that there was like some stupid fucking study done in the 80s of course about like why like basically just like a study into gendered responses to horror and that um study basically resulted in the snuggle theory term which is basically just like the idea that the way that they explained it is that it like upholds societal standards more and that was kind of like what their hypothesis was and so what was demonstrated was that like women will i don't know they they like enjoyed watching the movie more with a man who was like stoic and undisturbed and they'll like snuggle up to them more kind of and like men enjoy the- watching 
horror the most when they're with women who are actually scared and like want, want to be snuggled so i don't know I, like that's such like an 80s like stupid fucking like s- study i'm like why is this even a study like i can see that being a thing though but not necessarily like not necessarily gendered but like the role you play in a relationship like right yeah i like being taken care of so like i i mean obviously chris doesn't like horror but like (laughs) in the past i would like somebody that was like not scared because then i could be the scared one and they'd be like it's okay he 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 um and then like a guy typically plays like the like protector role but even in like a gay relationship usually like there's that dichotomy like that dynamic and so I can see it being like not even just men and women but like it's more enjoyable to play or to play to watch with somebody who has the opposite reaction as you whereas like if everybody's scared then it's like oh my god we're not safe because everybody's scared (laughs) and if if nobody's scared then it's like oh it's boring so like right, if you're like right. not scared, it's fun to be with somebody who's scared because then I feel like that like if I watch with somebody who is scared, it usually helps me get a little scared more than usual. Like when I'm watching alone because I'm like seeing it more through their lens and like stimulated yeah. in that way. So I can see it like like you said, it's totally 80s for it to be like male and female. But it's like I feel like it's just like your dynamic with whoever you're watching with. That's really interesting with the thing about how you feel more scared if you're around someone who's scared and like vice versa, because I would agree with that. And I, that definitely goes back to the empathy component of, and just like the emotional contagion of being around people and like feeling things. And I have one more thing to add about that theory. Hearing that I scoff at it and I'm like gross, but then I think back to middle school and I've always, well, I've always loved horror movies. I used to be terrified of them, but I, like many other things I fucking do, I trained myself to like them and to not be scared of them. So I could keep watching them and I would love seeing them and asking and like going with my crushes because like I wanted to fulfill that role of being like the scared girl and like the guy being there to take care of you or whatever the fuck. So ew, I, I guess I see it obviously not as an adult, but yeah. Yeah. Well, they did also mention, um, that like, even just going with your groups of friends when you were younger, you know, it kind of creates like this, obviously not like actual trauma, but it's like a shared trauma bond in a way Yeah, where you guys all go through the same experience, but like you're viewing it all differently. And then at the end, like you can discuss like different things you guys picked up and like all the different ways you interpreted what right. you just saw. Yeah. It's like good practice for real life shit in some yeah. ways. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what are you sighing about me yeah you're like ah, i don't know i don't know i'm just thinking of like back in the day when you would go to the movies like that i was, miss like, the that one so thing much do <laughs> under that, the that age was, of 16 <laughs> that was like the funnest fucking thing ever and i'm glad that i, I know can, i'm starting to do that again the other day i went to the movie i went to the movies a couple days ago when i was able to with lynn and when we went I got all dressed up and it was so nice to get dressed up to the movies. Gonna make me feel like I was in middle school. (laughs) That's what me, the cool thing for us to do was to go ice skating, like indoor ice skating. Oh. Um, That on Friday night, what did they call it? Something skate. It was like, you know, like. Teen skate. Yeah, some dumb shit (laughs) like that. Um, And so that was in middle school. We would all go and we would like, you know, what group of boys was going to be there because the boys would go to. And then you're like, hee hee, I'm ice skating. Ooh, 
fucking you on my hand. I'm going to fall and stuff. I'm like, I want to go. I want to go ice skating so bad just to like feel that again. Like you're saying with the movies. Right. I'm like, God, yeah. that shit was like, that was like my middle school. Did you ever go to Orbit in um, Schaumburg? Because that's what we did in like sixth and seventh grade on the weekends too. Was that it was the, it was like, like roller thing? ski? No, not oh, that. No. That was oh my god. That fuck, I can't remember called? the name for that. There were two different. There was like zero oh, people gravity like, and a bigger don't one. Go because there's like yeah. pedophiles there. I literally oh I went god. one time and I remember wearing like Sophie shorts and yeah like some some like slutty top or something like just the worst <laughs> fucking look ever i can't I love even it. figure out what I it's like called but no it's it's orbit was a roller skating rink in schaumburg that closed i don't remember when it closed but uh, yeah no schaumburg was is kind of far from north rock it's like 40 minutes so doxing myself where i'm from <laughs> <laughs> jesus um. Should I get into my findings? Sure. Um, so like I said earlier, what even though I thought about this before, what kind of like prompted talking about it now was because Lynn and I are talking about how in our lives we know a lot of women that like it, but we don't really know any men that do, or and if we do, there are very few. And I found this article. This isn't the main one where I got my research from. This was like a a blog post and it was some student that I guess did a survey type of thing. So obviously this is not that accurate of a source and i really wish that there was some meta analysis on this to have more people document if they like horror or not but there was a they broke down the study of 571 people indicating whether they like horror based on gender and those identified as male were 39.7 percent those identified as female were 35.2 percent and those who identify as non-binary were 30.4 percent which like yeah the higher number is the male category with 39.7% of people liking horror, but that isn't like, aside from like this study model not being necessarily accurate, comparing that to the other ones, like that's not a, a statistically, statistically significant difference. So like, yeah, there's more, but also barely. So it's interesting to see how many women and non-binary people also like it, especially given everything else that we talked about. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. In the other article I read that was sort of like a meta-analysis of a bunch of different studies related to this topic, which, by the way, so fucking cool. After I read these things, I was like, it'd be so cool to read these, to study these things, and maybe I can in the future. Just like the more I learn about research in school, the more I'm like, how do people study this? Because if there is no direct human benefit, it's really hard to get approved for research. So, like, I don't really understand how they justify researching this as opposed to just for fun. But anyways, yeah. um, so one of, like, the overarching things that it could they be, about- Wait, it could be done by maybe, like, a marketing team for, like, Bloomhouse Productions oh. or, like, some horror thing. I can see That's being a good point. that because that'd be a reason for, like, who should we target. Right. And it sucks. It's not like it's not like it's useless psychology either. Like when they were talking about things, they were, they were I didn't include it in this, but they were talking about some of like the neuropsychology behind some of it, too, and different parts of the brain and stuff like that. And it was really cool to see like, like this actually being a scientific thing. And I, and I yeah. think maybe like the preliminary studies would be more of a general understanding. But I do think that down the road, there could be good implications for even using similar type of strategies in therapy, just like fear exposure therapy had to start somewhere. Now I'm yeah. curious about how that started. Um, but so like one of the overarching things that talked about were the two components of horror, which they typically all horror movies typically involve some sort of suspense and resolution. And I mean, I know that we all know what that means, but they define suspense as like the buildup of 
tension prior to the manifestation of threat and then resolution being the elimination of threat, regardless of whether or not there was a happy ending. And one of the theories they talked about was researched by this man named Zillman. I didn't write down when he researched, but I think it was like the 90s maybe. So his theory was called the excitation transfer theory. And he believes he believed that enjoyment came from this feeling of suspense. And when that threat was resolved, our negative affect, which your affect is I was trying to think of how I was trying to write in my notes how to explain this and it's hard to describe because it's not your emotions and it's not just your mood either. It's just like your general sensation of emotions and like also how you present them. So if so when the threat is resolved in horror movies, our negative affect converts to euphoria typically. And I think that there is some magic like ratio of suspense to resolution that in horror movies that might make people feel better or worse after them. So like if resolution doesn't occur in a horror movie, the residual negative affect after the suspense will lead to increased dysphoria as opposed to euphoria. And then if there's no suspense, but like, there is a certainty of what is going to happen. Then the suspense is kind of replaced by dread, which made me think of a lot of like the more artsy movie, artsy horror movies that I've seen that didn't necessarily scare me, but after watching so many horror movies and not really being able to be scared by many of them at all anymore, the ones that typically do leave a lasting feelings for me, I think what it is, they leave a feeling of dread, like the ones that make you feel, what I consider to feel like icky after a horror movie. I I think of like the killing of a sacred deer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it is that it's like you, not that you know what's going to happen in those, but it's not like it's leading to one big suspenseful moment or even like a jump scare type of thing. It's just like this glooming, like like it's literally the feeling of like, Oh, I know where this is going. Like you're like this, like this can't end end well. Like you just right, know and then it doesn't, well. and it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. And you're like, I fucking knew like, it. I still sat here to watch it not end well. Right. It's almost like it's in like the uncanny valley kind of, where like it's it's like you know what's gonna happen, but then it like there's just something off about it. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's what it is because it's still like yeah, there's certainty, and it's not like there. I mean, sometimes there are twists, I guess, but it's there's like a steady offness about it. And yeah, there are climactic moments, but also not really. It's just like a a consistent like state of feeling icky like that. Um, Also in like something in this uh, specific theory of excitation transfer theory, they express that people with high empathy express more negative affect regardless of resolution, which I found interesting because I understand being, being someone we're all very empathetic and, like I very much relish in pain sometimes and I can see how being super emotional and empathetic, I would enjoy those negative feelings too. Like, I mean, I can't always watch as I get older, it's harder to watch things that are like genuinely like more like drama things that are like genuinely about trauma or something like that. Although I can still watch it. And when I do, like it is, it can be very cathartic and I can see horror doing it in a way that maybe feels a little more detached it honestly kind of reminds me <laughs> I'm not going to make this about Spider-Man again, but <laughs> when I watched Spider-Man and it was cathartic, it's kind of like what I said. It's like I was in this like safe space feeling this very cathartic thing and it was yeah. attached because it was a Spider-Man movie, but close enough for it was special. So yeah. another theory is, this is a shorter theory. This one is um, they talked about how ar- arousal can be self-rewarding, which I can definitely see that. So it's possible that the act of watching horror movies provides us with a thrill regardless of the resolution because 
arousal is inherently rewarding. And that's not necessarily for everyone, but people with maybe certain like characteristics. And it made me wonder if people with a history of trauma are more likely to watch horror movies. And I know that's not the case for everyone, obviously. And I know that a lot of people, because of their trauma, if anything, avoid those things. But along with what I said about the fear exposure therapy thing, I wonder if there's some association with people with a traumatic history and the way that they like their trauma responses present and if they watch horror movies and if they like them. Like, for example, if you're someone who there's more than just these two examples of traumatic responses, but let's say like you freeze as a traumatic response, maybe you avoid horror movies, but if you're one to fight in some way in a traumatic situation, maybe you indulge in that sense of arousal that arousal that activates your nervous system. And I know that I myself, and I've, I've learned to undo this because I've lived in a constant state of an activated nervous system for a lot of my life for many reasons. I have engaged, I mean, everyone engages in like negative behavior sometimes, one's negative coping mechanisms. And I think that it's been to like, because my comfort zone has been to live in a constant state of anxiety to an extent and slowing down has been scary. So I think that it's like, I can see it being related to that in some way, at least loosely related. Oh yeah. A way and, for you to access your comfort zone almost. Right. Right. Like living in that state of anxiety, but it's like, okay, but this one's like enjoyable because it's a novel story or something. Yeah. Yeah. And the larger thing that they talked about, which I found really interesting, was sensation seeking, which I have I have heard of that with horror movies. Like obviously, you know, like the thrill, which is interesting to me. And they break down different types of sensation, which this helps make helps helped me make more sense of this. I've never considered myself like a thrill seeker because any sort of like adventure seeking is not me. Like when I think of any outdoor activity that involves risk, I'm like it's not even that I'm terrified of it. I'm just like, there is the reward of it would be so little for me compared to like the risks that it's not worth it for me. But I remember us talking about this when we were planning a hike in Maine. Cause I was like, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it was like, I would love to go on one where you're like on the edge of a cliff. Oh, scary. That sounds fun. And you were like, absolutely the fuck not. Why would that be fun? <laughs> yeah. no. And no, that's no. what made me realize I'm definitely a thrill seeker. Like I like stuff that's a little dangerous. I, I I realized I didn't think I was until I saw these um this description of sensation seeking and there are two that I very much identified with and I was like holy shit yes so overall sensation seeking it's very it's pretty self explanatory but the def- definition is the seeking of varied novel complex and intense situations and experiences and the willingness to take physical social legal and even financial risk for the sake of such experiences and. The, in this study of sensation seeking that I think was in like the, it was in 1979 by this person, his last name was Zuckerman. The the factors that they talk about are thrill and adventure seeking, experience seeking, disinhibition, and boredom susceptibility, which the last three I very much relate to and especially experience seeking and disinhibition. So thrill and adventure seeking is like what we just talked about, which is uh, typically like desire for outdoor activities involving risks like skydiving racing um even like i mean the more dangerous hikes and stuff experience seeking i was like what what does that entail And this i very much relate to again as well as disinhibition experience seeking is like this uh the desire to experience new sensory or mental experiences through unconventional choices like psychedelic experiences social nonconformity and desire to associate with unconventional people i read that 
this and disinhibition when I read them it was like I've been having a lot of moments recently where I'm I'm very self-aware and I'm very aware of the way that social constructs and all these things affect me because I'm a mere human just like everyone else but recently <laughs> yeah. I've, I've become aware of much more constructs that I wasn't aware of especially with the book trick mirror which we will talk about eventually that it's like weird because I feel like oh my god I am is do I have free will <laughs> anyways yeah. um, like have I then, ever had an original thought literally like, stuff like that be like okay not unique literally literally and I feel like I usually have because I'm usually aware of those things and I'm like and I still I'm still above it somehow and then there are these things where I'm like well I didn't know that so that's cool <laughs> disinhibition um is this is another one that I also relate to preference of out of control activities such as they said wild parties <laughs> drinking <laughs> and, Ill- and illegal activities which I mean not like I'm some party animal but I definitely relate to that a lot because ever since I was a kid I was like all I want to do is party and like get fucked up and experience different <laughs> mental states and like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one, which is pretty self-explanatory, is boredom susceptibility. So an intolerance of repetition or boring people. <laughs> um, I definitely think this- I fall under that category. <laughs> right, right. And that makes sense also with ADHD for sure. Like I read that one and I was like, this is very ADHD. But maybe it has to do yeah. with the impulsivity of ADHD too. Who knows? So in this study conducted by Zuckerman in 1979, individuals with high sensation seeking experienced higher positive emotions when highly aroused and would seek negative stimulation to maximize their arousal because the stimulation is intense. So it would make sense, like obviously with horror movies, that stimulation can be negative, but it's intense and like just liking that intensity goes along with sensation seeking. Um, And... Oh, and it, they also said those high in sensation seeking might find a negative stimulus, like horror movies, highly rewarding, but a person low in sensation seeking might find it unpleasant, which makes sense. And that to me even yeah. relates kind of, I, well, I don't know how Chris is with, with sensation seeking, Nikki, but with how he is more of like a calm, ch- I would say he, he like, I, I can imagine him falling very low on the neuroticism scale. And I can see how for him that like this would explain that, yeah, like that sensation seeking would be unpleasant. Yeah, he's like, why do I want to feel like that intensely? Like I like feeling right. like, calm. Or I'm right. Like I like feeling intensely. It feels good. <laughs> right. Um, and another study, a uh, Cantor and Sparks in 1984, found that sensation seeking was positively correlated for men and women, but the best predictor for enjoyment was thrill and adventure seeking for men and disinhibition for women, which I that like made sense to me, but it was still interesting to see it laid out like that. And it was interesting to see that it was still pretty probably pretty even i didn't see the actual numbers for this study because it was one-sided in my study but the fact that disinhibition is one for women as opposed to like more so adventure seeking falls into gender norms and it makes me think of it, it makes me think of like the chicken or the egg like i don't know if that's because of gender norms or it's just like inherently how we tend to be for cis identifying women yeah so yeah, that's like the main thing on sensation seeking. And I just have a couple more points and other factors. And again, there are many more that I would like to continue researching because this was very, very interesting. So, so some other factors. There was another study by Tamburini and Stiff in 1987. That is not real. <laughs> that's it's not that's real. a band. <laughs> literally, sounds like 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 Timon and Pumbaa or something. Yeah, like literally. <laughs> 
<sighs> okay, so they studied 155 people who attended a horror film somewhere in the Midwest. And also this finding, along with other ones that I'll talk about soon after, were the ones that I just, you know, made me hate men even more. <laughs> so, first of all, only this isn't like that much of a difference, but only 78 of the 155 people were men, which actually I didn't do the math on that, but I either that's pretty even or there's I should probably that's do the pretty math even. That's pretty that's even. That's pretty that's pretty even. Okay, well, eighty is fifty percent of one sixty, so seventy-eight. Right. Is let me see. One fifty. Oh, yeah, it's literally fifty percent. Okay, fifty yeah. percent. I thought when I saw that number, I was like, "Hell yeah, more women!" But it was literally fifty percent. <laughs> so never yeah. mind. But the other other finding: men attend. Most men there attended because they sought sensation seeking and wanted to experience the destructive nature of horror, while women Ew. attended because they wanted to experience a just ending. And reading that made me feel fucking sick. It made me feel so fucking sick. The woman part makes me so sad that there is that a lot of them wanted a just ending because it is just so representative of a day-to-day life as a fucking woman. But also the fact that men would go to see the destructive nature of horror and that they found in studies that that is the part they like most is one so fucking stupid and it's so cheap horror and men are so fucking primal that it's terrifying and also just the fact that they indulge in the destructive nature of shit which we see in everyday life is so horrifying yeah well it freaks me out like when like it makes me think of like after like sports events or something like when a team wins and like men just go on a fucking rampage. It's like, <laughs> like okay, granted, I that would be fun to like go to one of those destruction rooms where you go and like you get to like beat the shit out of everything with a bat. Like I get that, but like destructing, like destroying like actual property, like why is that fun? Like that's somebody's right. shit, and so it makes me like think of that, right. No, uh, agreed. And it's like, of course, I, c- I could even see a study existing where, like, I think women or other genders that would that would like things like destruction rooms, I think that they probably wouldn't like things like the whole rampage shit. But I I've had this feeling that men would find destructing real shit m- just better than just than using one of those destruction room things. Yeah, and it's I just like yeah. I. I it is so it is so nauseating to me like sincerely physically nauseating that men are so primitive like it is so disgusting are you not embarrassed aside from it being so bad for society are you not embarrassed like get yourself together this is embarrassing I know like it's literally you're more predictable than like even an actual animal no literally literally (laughs) like you're a homo sapien please yeah no yeah (laughs) Um, another thing about this study, so the greatest predictor of film attendance for this study was not sensation seeking, but the desire to experience a satisfying resolution for women and to see destruction for men, which I mean, just basically the same thing I said, but seeing it spelled out like that again was like, of course, of course. Yeah. Moving on. I have like a couple more points. Moving on to the empathy part, there is also much to talk about with this, but I only wrote on some notes of it because I could go, we could go really deep into it and don't have the time. But first of all, I, I talked about this earlier. I was very surprised to hear, well, not that surprised, but I hadn't heard of it, that in some definitions of empathy, which like there are many models of what defines empathy, but in one of them, 
apparently wandering imagination slash daydreaming <clears throat> has been considered a factor of date of empathy, which does make a lot of sense when I see it like that. But I was like, holy shit, empathy really is, is so much more complex than what we see it as. Like it is so much more than just like a feeling what someone else is feeling or something like that. Yeah. So naturally, people who daydream can sense the feelings and actions of the film's characters typically, which also makes sense that people who are more empathetic would like really, really connect with characters and like feel very, very negatively impacted if something bad happened to them or vice versa, something positive. So those scoring high on wandering imagination and therefore at least a factor of empathy didn't really like graphic horror and those scoring low did like graphic horror and surprise, surprise. Men scored lower on empathy, which is, I mean, everyone knows that. <laughs> and they liked more graphic horror. Like, they liked horror for the destruction. They liked, they liked horror for, I'm not saying this to, like, for dramatic effect, like, literally for more sociopathic purposes. Yeah. Ugh. It's it's crazy because, like, as we were talking about the destruction part a second ago, I'm just thinking, like, obviously there's things that like oh destruction is like not that dramatic like you destroy things on a daily basis just like throwing away trash and shit but i mean like destruction right like literally like beating shit up like property and all that like there is no way that i can disassociate destruction and men in my mind no i know it's like inherently connected which is yeah like that's why it's scary because like that shit does happen right and like real people real men are doing that shit right no it's it's appalling um another last point on the empathy aspect of liking horror higher empathy has been associated with less enjoyment of suffering naturally in frightening films but with more enjoyment of like danger excitement and happy endings which makes sense it made me think of this goes beyond horror shelby and i have talked about this a lot how we get which i mean most people do but like we get so upset when our characters are treated poorly, which like obviously if you empathize with a character, that's going to happen. But it's like you don't want to see someone that you care about, even if they're fictional, suffer. And sometimes when we've talked about it, we've talked about the last season of Broad City, how it's like it's not like they like full, whole ass suffered, but it was just like sometimes like a lot of negative things were happening to them in their lives yeah. Um, and how that's harder and harder to watch, which I felt the same with Spider-Man. It's like hard to see people you care about suffer like that, even if they're fictional. But I can see the in- enjoying them experiencing danger or excitement and stuff in movies is obviously different than them suffering. Um, the last thing that I'll say about this article, they also, uh, typologized people who like horror into three categories, at least this specific study by Johnson in 1995, there's resolve ending types, thrill watchers and gore watchers. So resolve ending people enjoy films with a satisfying definite, definite closure, which, I thought about that and it's weird because I do like movies that leave me like what the fuck afterwards but there are some movies that when they leave me like what the fuck I can't even let myself speculate too much because then if I do I start getting existential and very anxious like with Inception and other movies like that I fucking love those movies and I'm constantly looking for more movies like that but if I think too much about the ending I'll freak out thinking about the fact that I'll never know for sure yeah so yeah, so like I can see, even though I wouldn't like say I necessarily go out like seek out resolve ending movies, still something to consider. 
Um, thrill watchers enjoy being frightened and empathize with the principal characters. They typically have higher levels of empathy and thrill seeking, which I, I think that's probably the one that I personally relate to the most. And gore watchers like the destructiveness of the film, which is so interesting to me because so many women I know, including myself, I mean, I'll still watch them, but like, they'll always say, I like horror, but I don't like gory stuff. (laughs) And it makes sense. So people who like gore. I was just going to add on to that of like, I don't, I'll watch gore. Like, I don't mind it, but I just like roll my eyes at it because I'm like Whoa. same like and so like I Hostel know. I didn't like because that was the whole thing was just gore whereas like the yeah. Saw movies I like because there's like an overarching story through all the movies so like I like that and I just like I'm kind of like during the gory parts I'm like whatever <laughs> and right. so it's just like, like insane to me to be like I want to watch something gory right now why right yeah right like, I feel like gore movies always have the worst storylines like if they right. even have an actual storyline at all so I'm like of course men like those the most because they're, they're literally brains. possible no literally like, literally not easily digestible because it's literally like people getting chopped up and shit but like easily digestible in terms of actually using your fucking brain literally yeah. and very digestible to them in terms of the fact that it's just destruction and pain yeah. and things that you know are inherently within them <laughs> right <laughs> also people yeah. who like are more of gore watchers scored low in fearfulness and empathy, but high in adventure seeking. And this study, this is, this is like, this is not a biased study or anything. Like since really everything, I mean, I don't know for sure, but it's the writing was truly not biased. So it's like the fact that there just is this information about men out there is insane. So again, gore watchers are more likely to be men. And one of the reasons is because they can identify with the killer in films and are less likely to identify with the victim. When I read that part, I wanted to jump out a fucking window because like, holy shit. Actually, connecting that back to one of the articles I read, a lot of women actually really like horror because it's like the only genre where like we are unquestionably the protagonists. I was thinking about that too. I was thinking like, I wondered, I have a list of like questions to consider and one of them was... Does any of this correlate with there typically being a female protagonist in horror that lives? Yeah, and, like, not only yeah. that, but, like, we're allowed to be, like, the dumb bimbo girl and also, like, the smart girl who solves the, the shit at the end of the day, Right, you know? right, exactly. Yeah. Feminist, in a way. <laughs> yes, yes, no, for real. I mean, now there's, like, literally is, like, feminist horror as a genre, basically, with, like, right. promising young women and just, like, all, like, the... The R word, um, like rebellion, basically. I, f- I forget the term that that's called, but like where women, you know, turn it back on the rapist and shit and fuck. Oh, them. yeah. Yeah, there's like a, yeah. Yeah. Well, and then there's like a term for like. It's like it's it's something dumb like you go girl or something, but it's like <laughs> when the female at the end, like the final girl. Yeah, but it's not. It's like a term for the style of movie because like the final girl is like the character it's yeah. like a term for like basically a style movie when there is a final girl that in the end like gets revenge i don't know it doesn't really matter but just that yeah there's like noticeably like that style of horror now because clearly it's like people enjoy yeah it. like clearly they should be tapping into this market yeah, yeah. no for real of anxious women queer women <laughs> literally <laughs> literally 
the questions I, I mean, I'm sure like I do want to do more research into this just because and the questions that I was left with are what I mentioned earlier, the relationship between history of trauma and enjoying horror. Also, the astrology of people who like horror. Like I want to see I'm obviously that, that, that like would never be unfortunately like a scientific study but just like it'd be interesting in a survey type of situation to understand how birth chart would affect that yeah um and then the two other ones are kind of what we talked about like if this correlates with our typically being a female protagonist and if there's a difference in what type of horror women men non-binary folk etc like which i know we kind of talked about some with like gore types thrill seeking etc but even more specifically with like horror genres, like things like body horror, because of what was mentioned earlier, I can see queer people liking body horror, like specifically people like who are gender nonconforming or trans or something like that. And I can see women and queer people liking psychological horror more than men because they have to use their brains for it. (laughs) So yeah. And then any other fucking stupid movie just falls in the male category. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of women like psychological horror movies, like, literally for that reason. And because, like, they're not just, like, so formulaic and, like, laid out for you. Like, you actually do have to think about what's going on. Yeah. Right. Like, I like those movies because that's stimulating in itself. I I agree. Like, I that's why I love those movies. It's the only thing that will help me get out of my head because I have to be engaged. Well, and that's why I, like, don't like action movies. Because I'm like, why am I just watching people fight? This is, like dumb i agree like like, and i feel like that's like what like the like gore or like slasher movies are because it's like i know what's gonna happen why am i just watching people get killed for like no reason yeah you're so right like i i mean i i like action only in the context of superhero stuff which to me does feel very different but in terms of just like action i'm like every movie technically has some level of action kind of so like when it's an action movie it's like what is what is the the point then it's like maybe you can be a thriller and have some action but just having action is like it's just explosions and guns like wow cool literally and those movies are all the same like they're literally all the same think of any action movie and they're all the same the same thing that's why like all the characters in those movies are always the people that are like does this person ever play a character that's different from (laughs) the same thing like no, they don't because literally every one of those movies is the same thing. Like literally, The, the Rock, every so movie he's in is a, the exact like same thing. Movie. <laughs> I was gonna With say explosions. except for like when he randomly shows up in like kids movies. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. like what was the, the like two thousand Jumanji? Or, was he in Jumanji? The yeah, yeah, but that, that, that was one of those that, jungle movies. Yeah, that's yeah. an action movie too. Now they're jumping out of fucking helicopters and shit. <laughs> And he's in one where he is like, there's like, I don't know if it already came out, but it's one with Emily Blunt where like they're on some expedition doing something. It's yeah, again, that like, was um, he, another so thing. He's always like, in the fucking on... jungle. Yeah, literally. I know. Oh, fuck. <laughs> or in Fast and Furious, like, yeah. which still ventures into weird places. So, Just driving <laughs> around. <sighs> too fast, <Yeah>. too furious. <laughs> on the moon. Um, yeah that's his next that's his next genre moon shit (laughs) just space shit honestly that's about to be it i'm picturing you i i just watched ad astra yesterday and i'm thinking and like brad pitt was was the protagonist of that and i'm thinking of like what it would be like if it was the rock in one of those movies and it's just like you would not be able to take it seriously like (laughs) there's no way it's just so sad because i'm like i feel like he's like a good guy 
No, I like, I like him. I cannot take him seriously. Literally, and it does because I do like him. Like, I, it's when I see him, I'm like, oh, this is like, you know, a pleasant surprise kind of literally but at the same time it's like I can't be a surprise because I know exactly what I'm gonna see if he's in it you know? uh, yeah exactly well, I feel like he he's like the best himbo out there yes yes agreed <laughs> I I'm surprised he gives me like night at the museum vibes like how is he not it. in those movies I can definitely see it's like it. adventure again but it's like <laughs> child like adventure so like jumanji adventure yeah Yeah. i think that is what it's not even action it's adventure that's what it is he's very adventure (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. but like not like you said it's like child friendly because he would never be in like indiana jones he's like right he was what was that movie called like is it like I know there's one that's called San Andreas, but there's also one where he's like literally the whole movie. He's like hanging off the side of a building. <laughs> I literally what? know. What you're talking, I can't remember the name, but I know what you're talking about. It's literally called like Sky. I literally think it's called Skyscraper. I'm and he's just up. like dangling there. Yeah, he's like stuck like on the side. <laughs> like, hanging is off. he hanging like from his hands or is he like on like one of those, I, yeah. like, you imagine just, I think he's like, hanging like the way <laughs> it is called skyscraper and the way it's just a picture of like him all <laughs> being up hanging. <laughs> I can picture it so clearly. <laughs> <sighs> I literally want to watch this because I'm so curious. <laughs> What the fuck could their like? What story could their possibly? Oh my be? god! I can, you can see the montages. I, I saw back on like his life. five seconds of this movie, and he's literally like, it's the whole thing is just like anxiety. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, he's gonna fall! Hurry, <laughs> we have to go help him! Hurry!" Why is he so dirty? <laughs> literally, that's what I'm saying. He's, he's like, like covered in, in dirt, dirt. <laughs> so sweating. Climbed up the trim chimney to get up there. <laughs> oh, it's because okay. he's in China. <laughs> <laughs> apparently <laughs> the air quality <laughs> no yep, literally a- apparently it follows his his name is will sawyer he's a former fbi agent who must rescue his family it is in china from a newly built hong kong skyscraper the tallest in the world after it's why does he have to terror. rescue them because oh, it, it catches on fire it sounds like he like literally has to rescue them from the building itself like the building literally the building. i don't like why is he climbing up the side to rescue them like right there like what <laughs> on the tallest building really the tallest and also it says the world's tallest and safest i don't think you building. can <laughs> i feel like once it gets that high you like can't really breathe you can't there's no way you're conscious <laughs> Not for long. but he is it's the rock he true is. king shit <laughs> Oh, wow. He's also, okay, this is the last thing I'll say because I have to go. But he's also, I mean, there's so many movies like this, but he's also in, um, there's a movie where he's like fighting some creature. It's not Godzilla. It's like he's fighting like three different big animals. And he, in, in the trailer, he's like hanging up helicopter because he's always hanging. That sounds like Jumanji. <laughs> no, no I'm literally picturing, fuck, what? What was the movie Jurassic we watched Park. all together where um, What's-His-Face is in blackface? Uh, Tropic, Tropic Thunder. Thunder. <laughs> I'm literally Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder. <laughs> I was supposed to, that movie was a lot funnier than I thought, than I expected. It was. Those are, I feel like that's one of those movies that I'm like, to me, this is just like oh. boy humor and I don't like literally, it. Literally, it really is. And of course it's offensive because it's boy humor. Yeah. Of course. 
Also, the movie is called Rampage, the one that I'm thinking of. Rampage? <laughs> what Ron what are the animals he fights? Um, yeah, what is it? I have to I have to check, but it's and then and then I for sure have to go after this. But it's the the plot is when three different animals become infected with a dangerous pathogen, a primatologist and a geneticist team up to stop them from destroying Chicago. Wait, that isn't even. Oh, Shy City, my city. Literally, it literally looks like Godzilla, King Kong, and a wolf. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yep. In the picture, <laughs> pretty much. Oh my god, besties. <laughs> rampage <laughs> yeah it's Sounds a gorilla scary. lizard and a wolf oh it's a oh their names wow. are george okay. lizzie and ralph <laughs> <laughs> very scary lizard wow. the lizard is lizzie <laughs> like lizzie. And then it's like george probably like curious george yeah george, yeah, george the gorilla and ralph it, it was actually curious wow. george <laughs> curious george gets infected literally it's actually it's, yeah <laughs> yellow hat is like on it's the, the team curious to take George. it down. <laughs> <sighs> okay. okay. Well, I guess that's it for our episode, guys. Um, thank you for tuning in. I love you. Um, follow us on social media or else I'm going to come to your house and I'm gonna take <laughs> a picture of you in the window <laughs> and post it. Yeah, and post if you, if you yeah. don't follow us, you'll never know we'll that I just you. posted of you. Okay. <laughs> um yeah so (laughs) you can find us on twitter and instagram at that's kind of wavy and yeah listen in every other tuesday y'all it's the new year and we're fucking ready yes we're ready for episodes Woo! yeah if you guys have anything you want us to talk about um let us know in yeah. the comment yes. section. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> comment below. Drop a like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, there there's reviews now on Spotify, so give us five stars. Yes. Please. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye.